Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Treasures in Heaven. From all of us at WCAT Radio, we're glad you're with us. I am your host, Dr. William Ailes. Please know that you are invited to call in during the show with your questions and comments. The number is 515-604-9344. After you are connected, enter the code 914-121, followed by the pound sign. Love to hear from you. The show's title is taken from the book, Treasures in Heaven, and the book is free on my website, thetimeline.org. And at any time, you are welcome to write me at williamales at thetimeline.org. I'd like to begin this show by reading a paragraph from the book where I quote historian Philip Schaff. This Jesus of Nazareth, without money and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, and Napoleon. Without science, he shed more light on things human and divine than all philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since, and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. Something to ponder. Tonight, God with us. To summarize, God, by way of his prophets, spoke forth prophecies of our coming Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The New Testament documents the fulfillment of these prophecies, declaring Jesus is the promised Messiah. Additionally, Scripture expounds upon who Jesus Christ is to us today. And tonight, we're covered. He is the Son of God, the Word of God in the flesh, our Lord, our Savior, the Lamb of God, our Chief Shepherd, our Great High Priest, our Intercessor, our Mediator, our Apostle, the King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. So tonight, Scripture is identifying Him and defining what He means to us. Our lives are ever about going deeper in our relationship with our Lord. So look for that tonight. We'll begin with prophecies given by God himself through his Old Testament prophets, beginning with the very first prophecy of the coming Messiah, which is in Genesis. After the serpent had deceived Adam and Eve, God promised he would reverse the consequences facing the offspring of Adam and Eve. He prophesied that a savior would be sent to release man from the slavery of mortality. Simultaneously, the Lord God condemned Satan for his treachery. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, which means separation, between you and the woman, meaning Eve, and between your offspring, Satan, and her offspring. He, Christ, will crush your head. The prophecy from God was that his son would crush the hope of darkness and never would the fallen angel recover from the wound that our Lord and Savior would inflict upon him. What Satan had initiated, God would 
finish for us. Now, the prophecies of the Old Testament, the coming Messiah, the psalmist, Psalm 2. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. So here we have a prophecy in Psalm 2. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. One day Jesus would read that. The prophet Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I have called my son. Another prophecy declaring the coming Messiah would be the son of God. The prophet Micah, chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet... Out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, King David. God speaking to King David by way of David's servant, Nathan. When your days, David, are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. And last, the prophet Daniel and the angel Gabriel. While I, Daniel, was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness. And we are going to revisit those. So all throughout the Old Testament, 
God had, through his prophets, issued prophecies about the coming Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who would put an end to sin, who would atone for wickedness, who would bring in everlasting righteousness. All of this would come to pass through Jesus and in those who believe on his name, as we shall get into tonight. All that God had prophesied was set up all throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The records of the apostles, they quoted these prophets marking the fulfillment of their prophecies. Think about that. Hundreds of years of prophecies through numerous prophets had gone before the apostles. There they are in the first century A.D., hundreds of years prior. These apostles knew their prophets, of course. They were followers of Moses, of course. Either you were a follower of Moses or you were a Gentile. And now the time had come here in the first century for these magnificent prophecies to unfold and come to pass. We, in the 21st century, are looking back 20 centuries. Mind-boggling. That much time has elapsed, but it's just as if it happened yesterday in terms of what it means to us now to bring an end to sin, to bring in everlasting righteousness. So we're going to enjoy now prophecies of the birth of our Lord in the Gospels. And we'll see prophecies that we just read that will be quoted. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Recall the prophecy Gabriel, the angel Gabriel gave to Daniel, to bring an end to sin. Imagine having that dream. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. Now Matthew 2 and following verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, well, the chief priests and scribes know their prophets, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, of course, Micah, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So here's Herod, who is obviously in a very unsettled state because these visitors, pilgrims from the east, are declaring with a certain amount of conviction that a king has been born. Obviously, this is competition for Herod. Uh, He's not interested in competing with another king. Uh, So he said, uh, hey, by the way, uh, where was this Christ to be born? You know, just curious. Well, there it is. Prophet Micah pinpoints it, Bethlehem. Prophecy came to pass exactly as God had prophesied through Micah hundreds of years earlier. Then Herod, who had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east, went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. There's another dream Joseph will have by way of an angel. And here it is. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, And stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. It was the prophet Hosea who issued that prophecy hundreds of years earlier. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. This is our God through these prophets who can see forward in time the foreknowledge of God setting in motion the plan to save us. One by one, these prophecies are coming to pass. Out of Egypt I called my son, born in Bethlehem. Name shall be called Emmanuel. Record in Luke 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There is the will of our God. Sent us the Prince of Peace. So it was, 
when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. But the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Well, that's the record in Luke 2. Fulfilled, born in Bethlehem. Well, back in chapter 1, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, prophesied about our God and Jesus, his son. Now, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Recall the prophecy that God gave to David, that out of David would come the Messiah, the, the lineage of David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. Now here's Zechariah just reiterating this astounding truth. As he, God, spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies. He's going to get into details of what this Savior, this horn of salvation in the house of David, would mean to those who believe on his name. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Now, listen to this. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. This begins to paint a crystal clear picture of what this promised Messiah would mean to us, that we might serve him, the Lord God, without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. That's comforting. The prophecy from Gabriel to Daniel to bring in everlasting righteousness. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. Jesus, the Word of God, made flesh. Astounding record in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Jesus, I am the light of the world. That the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Israel would ultimately reject the Messiah. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Unfolding all the more what this Savior, this promised Messiah would mean to those who believe on his name. The right to become children of God 
to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born of God. Children of God. As we know, it's by way of the Holy Spirit. So here it is in John. We saw it in Luke. What this Messiah, this Savior would mean. Now in the New Testament, this revelation is unfolding. This, the glory of this revelation and here it is, John, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, how do you even begin to wrap your mind around that? The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. That's our Savior. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth remember the uh, Sermon on the Mount those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled that's who the father is interested in now this record in chapter 1 a little further on continues the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There it is again, to put an end to sin. The Lamb of God, the sacrifice of all sacrifices. And John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I, John, have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. That's what we believe, that this guy Jesus is the one prophesied throughout all the prophets, the Old Testament. The John's testimony is true. The testimony of Zacharias is true. Matthew, chapter 3. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God, the Father himself, is testifying that this is his Son. Jesus testified that he is the one prophesied, the Son of God. Luke 4. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Well, he had already been baptized. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Imagine. <laughs> and he began to say to them, Jesus said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this prophecy given by Isaiah hundreds of years ago about the coming Messiah is about me. 
I am the fulfillment of this prophecy. Just imagine being in the synagogue that day. This is the Christ. And then at the end of his ministry, he testifies to what God himself had testified, to what John the Baptist had testified. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, yes, it is as you say. So there's Jesus testifying to the temple authorities, I am the Christ, the Son of God, the one that was prophesied of since, yes, Moses' Genesis the one you're supposed to be a follower of. Then Jesus went on to say, but I say to all of you, in the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Of course, that's the second appearance. So here we have the testimony, Jesus is the Son of God. And now, in this day and time, we are between the first coming of the Messiah and his second appearance. And now, we're going to look at, in great detail, what our Messiah is and what it means to us. First, our Messiah is our Savior. Listen to Paul. When the kindness and love of our God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The Son of God opened the door to a spiritual kingdom where entrance would not be earned but granted. To be washed is to be cleansed by the blood of the sacrifice, Jesus, the Lamb of God. To be sanctified is to be made holy set apart for God by the Holy Spirit within. To be justified is to be made just or set free from unrighteousness. As Paul said in his second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Before Adam and Eve were ever created, God already had this in his foreknowledge of how he was going to deal with his enemy Lucifer and how he was going to take unto himself an eternal kingdom through his son. That's the wisdom of our God. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What a couple of verses. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Just read that every day. Life and immortality are brought to light by Christ's gospel, the good news, his words. He brought the message of faith, which Paul declared to us. Paul revealed that this becomes our reality when we invite Christ. And we invite him by responding to the message of faith. Romans 10.8 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, there it is. He is Lord. Now it's time for us to make him our Lord. And believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart, you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Jesus is our Savior. He is our Lord. To be saved means to be made sound, to preserve safe from danger and loss, and to bring in all positive blessing in the place of condemnation. 
We are born of God, as it declared in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. It is to be born again, as Jesus declared in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is the Lamb of God, and he is our chief shepherd. Listen to Peter. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. We are shepherds of God's flock. And Peter says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. One of our treasures in heaven, the crown of glory that we earn, and Peter just described how it's earned. That's Peter's first letter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Our chief shepherd will crown you with the crown of glory. Let that sink into your heart and mind. When you stand before his throne, shepherding God's flock the way God would like us to, not greedy for money, not eager to, uh, eager to serve, not greedy for money, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Micah 5, he's our chief shepherd. Micah said, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of, of the Lord. And Jesus himself said in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. We are the sheep. He is our chief shepherd, and he is our great high priest. Therefore, in Hebrews chapter 4, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus Christ is our great high priest who understands our human frailty. And in that frailty, we recognize our weakness and we recognize God's strength. In prayer, there is an expectation that God will bear his mighty arm and bring his power, love, mercy, and grace into our lives. And as our great high priest, Christ is our intercessor who ever lives to intercede for us. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge? against God's elect. It's God who justified us. Who's going to charge us? Nobody. Who is he condemns? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. As our great high priest, Christ makes intercession for us. Christ is our mediator. Listen to this testimony in Hebrews 12. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of of the new covenant. We have come to Jesus, the mediator 
of the new covenant. Christ fulfilled and voided the Mosaic agreement. As Paul says in Colossians 2, Christ canceled the written code, the law, with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to his cross. Colossians 2.14 and Romans 10.4, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. He is the mediator of a new agreement between God and man. Jesus is our mediator. In the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice animals to cover their sins, but with the good news of the New Covenant, there is no further need to make such sacrifices, sacrificing animals, because Jesus was the lamb given by God to cleanse sins, yielding righteousness for everyone who believes. Righteousness comes by faith in the sufficiency of that sacrifice. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied that just will live by faith, will live by his faith. And in Paul, Romans 1.17, for in the gospel, righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This prophecy was fulfilled in Christ. All who opened the door to him received the measure of faith and righteousness, which is of God by faith. That's in Philippians 3.9. On the cross... Christ took upon himself all that the world is, sinful, so that souls could become all that he is, righteous. Listen to Paul speak of this in his second letter to the Corinthians. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, meaning we can now reconcile others to God. To reconcile means to bring together that which was once separated. So God reconciled us to himself. He connected us to him through Jesus Christ. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation so we can connect others to God through Christ. Now here it is. Verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, as committed to us the word of reconciliation so we can carry out the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And here it is, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he, God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is transferred to us through his Son, And there it shall ever remain. Gabriel's prophecy to bring in everlasting righteousness. Jesus is also our apostle, which sounds on the surface a little off because we think of Peter, Paul, John as apostles. But an apostle, by definition, is one who is sent as a messenger. Hebrews 3. Therefore, holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling, that's us, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him. God appointed him, and Jesus was faithful to him, God. So, Jesus is an apostle. Why? Because he was sent from the Father to be the Savior of the world and equipped with the divine power to carry out his mission. And that's clearly seen in John 3, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God sent his Son, thus Jesus is an apostle. He brought, an apostle brings, of course, divine revelation. He's one sent by heaven, by the Father, to bring that to us. Now, as we know, Jesus prophesied to the temple authorities that they will see him coming on the clouds of glory. That's, of course, the second appearance. And on the day of the Lord, when our Lord descends from the right hand of God, he is declared King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I, John, saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Harkening back to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Book of Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. And now, the grand finale. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. And we know that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So, in these last days, spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become so much better than the angels, as he has an inheritance, or by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he, God, ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. That's our record from Psalm 2 that we read earlier. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. The prophecy given to David, Second Samuel 7. So, what's being done here is the presentation, the declaration of the glory and majesty of who this Jesus is. Verse 5 again, For to which of the angels did he God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? None. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. 
There's only one begotten Son of the Father. But when he, again, brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. The Father is saying to the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. This is the grand finale. The Father saying to the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Our Jesus is the Son of God, the Word of God in the flesh, our Lord, our Savior, the Lamb of God, our Chief Shepherd, our Great High Priest, our Intercessor, our Mediator, our Apostle, our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. And yes, as the Father said to the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. His name is Emmanuel, God with us, and he is in us. Now consider this. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto, unto himself. Paul said, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's God in Christ in you. And we know we're born of spirit the Holy Spirit, which is also referred to as the Spirit of Christ. It's God, Christ, Holy Spirit in us. What a Savior we have. This is our reality because of what God set in motion before time began. It's, it's astounding when you see this revelation all put together. And he did this so he would have an eternal kingdom that his son would rule in the complete absence of evil, dealing with Lucifer and all his minions once and for all. And he did it by his son, Jesus. And we get to partake of this grand plan, the mystery that unfolded in Christ, and share in the inheritance forever. The new heaven and new earth that God unfolded decades after the birth of Christ in all its glory to John in Revelation 21 and 22. We have a living hope, as Peter said. This is as real as anything in the flesh and blood material world. It's been happening in God's mind since the world began. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, we have this amazing record that speaks to this story of how our God set all this in motion for us. And I just want to go there, soak this up. Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is our God. This is the good pleasure of his will. This is our loving Heavenly Father, whom we can serve without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. As Zacharias prophesied, the oath he swore to Abraham, we are the benefactors of this. The prophets long to see this day. We are the ones who partake in this phenomenal, unconditional love from the Father having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. This is the work of God. He made us accepted in the beloved. In him, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Recall that amazing statement by Paul, Had the princes of darkness understood the hidden wisdom of God, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. This mystery God kept hidden until after the resurrection fully unfolded to the apostles from the right hand of God. He made known to us the mystery of his will. Here it is again, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself that in the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. This is our coming glory. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory, in whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, how can you be bummed out after reading something like that? It's impossible. This is speaking straight from the heart of God to our hearts and minds. Just let this soak in, guaranteeing our inheritance until we are redeemed. The redemption of the purchased possession is at the time of the second appearance of our Lord. When we are redeemed, when we are transformed immortal. We are a purchased possession. Christ, by his blood, allowed God to purchase us, to have for him forever, to the praise of his glory, by the goodness, the good pleasure of his will. This is all ours, because we have a Lord and a Savior that we believe. We believe the truth, that he was sent. He is the Son of God. He is the Word of God in the flesh. He is our Lord, our personal Lord, our Savior, the Lamb of God, our Chief Shepherd, our Great High Priest, our Intercessor, our Mediator. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. And as God said, O God, thy throne forever. This is 
who we love. This is who we serve. This is our good news. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Amen and amen. This is tonight God with us. I'd like to close in prayer. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. God bless you. And on behalf of all of us at WCAT Radio, have a wonderful Christmas celebrating the birth of our Lord. Pull up a chair next Wednesday at 8 for more treasures in heaven. Good night. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.